You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Episode 20 of What's That From? A podcast exploring musicals we don't know, but probably should. I'm Kate. And I'm Josh. And today we have a special guest with us, Mr. Brian J. Markham. Hello there. How are you? Woohoo! Welcome, Brian. We're so excited to have you. Oh my gosh. So today we're discussing The Boy from Oz, the 2003 Broadway Hugh Jackman classic. And Brian was actually in the cast. I was. I was. I was in the cast and I did the workshop prior to. Oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah. It was a great, it was a great show. I loved it. I had a great time. Hugh Jackman and I are best friends now. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, just got off the phone with them. We just did have a, um, uh, during this pandemic uh, this year, we did have a reunion, uh, a Boy From Oz reunion, and we were all there uh, and got to oh, that's awesome. uh, meet up again and see, uh, talk so with cool. you and see all of us awesome. and Would you, um, check in with tell everyone. Our listeners and, a little yeah, bit it was about great. Yourself, it was great. They have a good understanding yep. of who wow. you are. Oh, sure. Yeah, so I know you two from uh, Syracuse University, where I used to teach as the associate professor of musical theater in the dance department for four years. And then I also uh, am, I currently, uh, I left that position to come here where I'm uh, the uh, artistic director of music theater Wichita. So I'm in Kansas. Um, and prior to that, I had, you know, I've, I taught at, I've taught at three different universities. And then I also, uh, prior to jumping into academia, I was um, a dancer in New York and I did six Broadway shows and I was the associate choreographer of Elf the Musical with Casey Nicola and um, yeah, I lived in New York for like 15 years after I graduated from Oklahoma City University with a dance degree and, you know, so now I've kind of transitioned to another, you know, out of the performing into directing and choreographing and now the artistic director and yeah, that's kind of my gig. Yeah, my family and I moved here uh, in June, right in time to do nothing. <laughs> so, now, so now we're uh, working on creating the season uh, as we're coming out of this pandemic. I just was uh, talking with someone else saying we're coming out of this as a, a tattered butterfly, but we're definitely coming out of the cocoon. So um, that's it's exciting. So 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, Boy From Oz was one of those six shows that I did in New York. And it was, uh, on a whole, the experience of it was probably my favorite uh, experience of any show I did in, in New York. Um, I was just the other day, I had taken my daughter to dance class and I was waiting to pick her up and I was listening to the, um, soundtrack because I just love to, I love the music and I loved celebrating, uh, the life of Peter Allen every night. And Hugh Jackman was just the biggest star and the most giving. And of course, Stephanie J. Block was fantastic and Isabel Keating as Judy Garland was just unbelievable. And it was just a great moment. And it's one of those shows. It's one of the only shows, honestly, that I can almost remember exactly where I was during the entire, like when the, as the soundtrack is playing, I can put myself in the dressing room or I can be standing off stage watching what's happening on stage. And, you know, it is a, it's a beautiful story of this man. And, but it's, it's, some, it's somewhat, uh, there's a lot of tragedy in his life too, but he was just so hopeful uh, and so positive throughout all of it. And, I, you know, there are moments where I just would just weep because it was so sad, but the mu and the music was so poignant and, and it was so also, you know, kind of weeping for what we've, what we've lost over this past year too. Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, I was able to do, do that, do this. And there were people, you know, I have students who were in, you know, like Moulin Rouge or, you know, uh, or in Mormon or anything that were, you know, they were stopped and they're not able to do what they're, what they want to do um, on a nightly basis because of this pandemic and how sad and that must be for them not to be able to go to that show every night and do what they were doing, you know? And so I think I just, the, all of that hit me at one time and I was just sitting in the car. <laughs> I don't know what the other parents were thinking. They're like, what's wrong with this guy next to me? He's just crying. Uh, but it was, it Definitely. was I guess I've never thought about that. Like and, listening uh, but to a great memory too, a cast so. recording of a show that you were in must be like a wild experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's also cool that when it comes on Sirius XM radio and I'm like, oh, listen, I'm singing on that. <laughs> I'm like, like oh, that's me? me. I mean, I barely can hear myself. I'm like, I'm in there somewhere. But um, it's usually, you know, Stephanie, <laughs> Stephanie J. Block singing and I'm like behind it going, Liza, Liza or whatever. But uh, yeah. but Yeah. It was a great, great time, you know, and the, and, you know, we did the, the workshop for, I don't know, I can't even remember. It's, it was so long ago, but I think like two months maybe. And it was mostly um, a lot of the same people. It wasn't, Stephanie wasn't, uh, Liza Minnelli and, um, it was Ruthie Hinchel who was great too. She was a great person from London. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm just kind of taking over, but I'll let you ask me questions. <laughs> well, <laughs> cause I could just we talk. Do we have a, a fun little thing we like to do oh, every okay. week where we try to describe the plot of the show in 30 seconds. So if, if you'd be so willing, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, would, we would love to challenge you to describe the plot of The Boy From Oz in 30 seconds yeah. whenever you're ready. Okay, so... And go. So um, the show is about Peter Allen, who was this Australian songwriter who also um, was discovered by Judy Garland and ended up and Judy and Judy introduced him to his her daughter, Liza Minnelli. They ended up getting married. He ended up being gay and they split up. And then the life kind of uh, the show 
chronicles his life through all of this and meeting his partner and then eventually his partner dies and you know and we go back into his childhood and we and we hear about how his um, 30 seconds life, how his life was altered by his that was uh, really that was maybe parents. one of the best 30 second podcasts it was all that was also tragic great yeah <laughs> yeah that was good I was like, whoa, you're really, like, giving us everyone. That was great. Right, right. It was, yeah, I mean, it really is just the story of his life. And he was such a huge personality. And he had, you know, there were so many great people in his life that you're like, wow. Like, she, Judy Garland found him, and he had this act uh, called the, I think they were called the Allen Brothers, but the other guy wasn't his real brother. And um, they were discovered in uh, a bar in China. And she, she, she found them. They were opening, there was some nightclub or some little club somewhere. And she asked him to be her opening act. And then, you know, then he, so he did. And then he met Liza and then he moved to, to the States and like really started working as a songwriter on his own. He wrote these amazing songs in the seventies. Um, you know, like I go to Rio and I honestly love you. That was, um, uh, uh Olivia Newton, John. I mean, the, uh, Carol Bayer Sager was a, a big songwriter with him. And, you know, all these great songs that were written and, um, they were all, all, those were all the songs, all of his songs were what made up the show. And, um, it just, it really, it was great. It just really started as his, as him as a child, cause he's from Australia, as an Australian young boy, like dancing in these little bars. And, uh, and then it moved on through his life where he, you know, he sold out shows at Radio City Music Hall. And, you know, he was very flamboyant and very, but lived his life out loud before it was fashionable. And everyone was telling him, you got to stop using your hands so much. You got to put your hands in your pockets. And one of the, one of the best parts of the show is that his manager, who was played by this big, guy big new york uh character actor michael maharan who is you've seen him in everything and he's just a great guy was saying you gotta put your hands in your pockets and be as you know straight as you can and then all of a sudden he jumps on up on the piano and takes his his hawaiian shirt which was which became his kind of signature and undoes untucks it and uh, unbuttons it just a little and then ties it like a halter top and then he's like if my hands are going to do my hands are going to do and he runs out on stage and does his show and you know he people loved him for being him and you know I think that was also what was so great about celebrating this man who was 100% just him and he loved Liza Minnelli and he loved his partner and you know it was um, it, it was just a, a, a great celebration of this of this man who lived to make everyone happy you know and Hugh Jackman who is like I don't know if it's the Australian way of life but he Mm. was just he would do anything he was fearless and there was a lot of breaking the fourth wall and he nothing through him like people would say would say anything to him and he would ask him questions and banter it back and forth and you can see a lot of it if you watch like the tonys when he was the host in the show and he and sarah jessica parker have a moment but there's a whole bunch of time he just would talk back and forth and nothing through him and you know even in rehearsals he would try anything awesome. and we went through many incarnations of a few numbers and he would be like sure let's try whatever and he was always the first one. He was always the first one there at rehearsal. He and Joy McNeely would have their own private little like yoga sessions to kind of limber him up and like, um, yeah, just it was just a great, great experience. And the whole cast. It's so nice to hear so like fun and celebrities like that and, are hard workers yeah, too. You great. know. <laughs> 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, my gosh. Like he, I've never met anyone who, uh, has, who worked as hard and was so... Um, deserving of all of his, everything that he's gotten. I, I remember him saying once that, you know, early on, I mean, he he had done a few Wolverines, but this was his first Broadway show. And, you know, he even, you know, I don't think he was totally, had bought into his fame yet because he, you know, he said like, I'll look at my wife, Deb, who is a lovely person as well, <laughs> while they're sitting on their plane or a plane by themselves and go like, woohoo, I can't, we can't believe that they're, you know, that they're there. And, and, you know, it just, he is he is just like a normal person and was down you know i would hit so going up to the dressing room it was you know you came on the stage door and you went one flight up and his dressing room was there and then you went one more up and it was liza and or um stephanie and 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 the the female leads and then you went one flight up and it was some of the male leads and then our dressing room and you know you would get stopped he would call you into his dressing room to talk and to see how your day was and I was like, okay, I got to go because I got to show. I mean, you got to show you too, and you're the leader. But I, uh, you know, but he was always so, um, <laughs> he was always just so concerned with everyone else. And it just like, again, like the nicest guy. And it really goes to show you that there's no reason why people shouldn't be that way. Like, there's no, we're all, we're all here pretending to be different people. <laughs> I mean, there's like, you know, it's like, and, and it's musical theater, so you should, and it's comedy and fun, and everyone should just, we should, yeah, is it hard work? Absolutely. And do you have to be focused and diligent at what you do and pay attention and be respectful and all that stuff? Absolutely. But it should be fun. And there shouldn't be a fear-based situation where you're, like, scared to see someone. Because I've been in those situations, too, where you're, like, hiding in the wings because someone's going to scream at you because they might see you from stage and they might distract <laughs> them. And you're like, come on. Yeah. Gypsy. But that like this this show just like oozes fun yeah. to me. Like the yeah. even just listening yeah. to the album, I was like, oh my gosh! Like it just made me want to like dance oh around. Oh my god, it was great. And it, honestly, it was uh, the it was there were four only four guy only four male dancers in the show, and. The same four of us that, well, no, I said the four, there were four of us who did the workshop and there were four of us in the show and three of us from the workshop went on and did the show, uh, and, uh, one, one chose to do another show and, um, he's fine. He's continuing to work. He's just fine. Um, but, um, uh, yeah. And it was some of the hardest dancing I've ever done. Joey McNeely was the choreographer and he was a protege of, of, um, Jerome Robbins. That's crazy. Jerome Robbins Broadway. Um, when he was like 16 or something crazy like that. And, you know, he had the four of us doing the craziest stuff. I mean, there was this one number, th that number that I was talking about where Hugh gets on the piano. It's called uh, Short Thing Baby. And 
we're down, we're pushing this piano around the stage and there's these scenes that would happen in different parts of the stage. And, and then, uh, so we would push the piano to like stage left and so he would sing something and say something. And then, then we'd get a pop, pop. And we bust out for these like four or five or six or seven eighths of music where it was like just crazy <laughs> dancing and we were busting out, but you know, we were dancing and loving it, like double turn to attitude to a knee roll to the floor. And like, <laughs> And right on the edge of the stage, <laughs> you're like, please, don't, I don't want to fall on the pit. Um, or, you know, but again, and we're killing it. Like, we're busting our butts and loving it because we're like, we're dancers and we're dancing. Like, this was some of the best Broadway dancing uh, in New York that year, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, a lot. I mean, it was it was tough. And, um, uh, but then you also realize, like, while we're doing and busting yeah. our butts, doing that, Hugh Jackman is like changing his shirt or something on the, the piano. No one's watching us at all because yeah. Hugh Jackman just took his shirt off or something. So, but again, you know, uh, uh, it was so much fun, and the show, the music was fun, but it did turn. I mean, there was there were some moments where um, it got. I mean, like I say, it gets really poignant where you know he and Liza realize that they're not together, they're not going to be together anymore, or you know, right after we did, um, and she's uh, at that moment she sings this really beautiful song called "I'd Rather Leave While I'm in Love." Love. And it's just, you know, it's Stephanie J. Block, so the interpretation of it is just, I mean, to stand and watch all of these people every night on off the wings um, was like a masterclass every single night in just great human beings and great performances and great, uh, just greatness. And there was a, a, a number, uh, right after we did Liza, Liza, uh, she loves to hear the music, the big, like Liza Minnelli number that's, uh, take off from Liza with a Z. Uh, we hit the, we did this triple turn and all the dancers, we do triple turn and then we fall to the floor and like an X on the ground. And then Liza is the only one standing in light. And then at the end of that, you know, the applause comes and then Hugh walks in and, uh, cause it's in a rehearsal situation and, he says, I have something to tell you. And that's when he delivers the news that, um, uh, that, um, uh, Judy has passed away. And so then she goes to the piano and sings this beautiful song, uh, um, quiet, please. And so quiet, please is a lady on stage. And it's about, it's like a kind of like a, a in memoriam kind of thing. And it's beautiful. And in the halfway through it, look, I'm getting chills and I might start crying halfway through it. This, Judy Garland, Isabel Keating, who is a better Judy Garland than Judy Garland, walks out of stage left and downstage in this beautiful white costume. And it's like watching a goat, watching Judy Garland's ghost come on stage. And it was the most, one of the most powerful moments of theater I think I've ever watched. And I would not miss it any night. I would just stay there and like look, peer out of the curtain. Uh, as I had to, we had to sing some offstage vocals at that moment and I watched that every night and be like, Oh my God. And again, every night I would just cry because it was one of those moments where you're like this, this beautiful icon of a human, of a, of a entertainer uh, has passed away. And then, and, and he wrote this beautiful song and whether he wrote it for her, I have no idea, but the way it was honed into this show was just so beautiful. And what a, another yeah, tribute to a, a, another legend, you know? Um, yeah. So. It was. I mean, it, it was. A, it was a lot of fun, but then it was a lot of poignant moments too, you know. And at the end, when he talks about, um, you know, he was like, and you know, he he died of AIDS as well. And so uh, Hugh referenced that at the end of the show, and then he sings this song saying he would do it all over again. Everything he did, he was like, I met all these great people, and I, you know, I've had these ups and these downs, and you know, and uh, but I would do it all again. Um, yeah, it was just a great show.
<laughs> and I think it's I think it's interesting too that you bring up the the Judy Garland moment because I was reading that the show happened in Australia before they brought it to New York. Yeah, and that they. They uh, amplified the Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland characters because obviously American audiences know about them more. Yeah. Do you in the workshop were they like working on that, or was that already kind of in place before you joined they had the show? Already, they had already done that in the writing of the show in Australia. Um, the he was Peter Allen is such a huge uh, like national symbol there that they knew him, and the show there was like a more like a concert, like big over the top. Uh, like, um, more like his Radio City show, I think, where it was just like him on stage and then a bunch of dancers around. And, and I'm not sure there was a Judy or, I don't know if there was a Judy or Liza in that at all. Uh, but in coming, bringing it to, to New York, they wanted to, of course, tell that story more and make it more theatrical and less concerty. And, um, so in the workshop, that stuff was already there. And like his mother, there was a, his mother figure was there, was played by Beth Fowler, who was a goddess as well. And, um, uh, and so that, that, there was a, that was pl- uh, a big part of the show too. So it became a much more of a, less of a, it, I mean, it still kind of was a glorified one man show. Um, uh, you know, it's definitely the characters around him had a huge parts in that as well, but, um, it became much more of a book musical than it was, I think, in Australia. Um, you know. And, you know, it is a, it is a star vehicle too. And, you know, we knew that the show was only going to last a year because, you know, he had some movie obligations to do. And what we also had were these, were these great, uh, during the run, these hucations, because we knew that he would be gone on whatever day to go do a movie or something for two days. And so we would have built into the schedule these added days off. And, um, and, so we call them Hugh Cajun. So he had a standby and he had some other studies, but you know, who, and they were great people, but again, it was Hugh Jackman in The Boy From Oz. So that when it's over the title, that's a lot, you know, box office has to, you know, and, and you don't want to be in the, you don't want to be there when someone goes, and tonight Hugh Jackman will be played by whoever it is. And uh, boo. <laughs> and then, then you might have to give the audience their money back because if it's mm-hmm. over the title, there's some stipulation in that, that you have to give some money back if they ask for it or whatever. So, so, um, so we had these built-in hucations and it was great. Now being part of the workshop, you also got some money for being in the show show because that, that was something that doesn't happen much anymore. Now they have those $100 where everyone gets a hundred dollars, but this was a true like Broadway workshop and you, we got some royalties over. And so we mm-hmm. knew every week the people who had been in the workshop, we'd also, we get our check and we get our extra little check. <laughs> Which some most time it wasn't extra little check. I know I saw where it recouped. It's we knew the show was going to sell out, and so it was pretty much sold out every night. So, um, yeah, like that. I mean, honestly, I mean, once the word was out, I mean, I think just because it was Hugh Jackman too, it was like the tickets were sold, and you know, we were the first show ever to make um, to uh, make a million dollars on. uh, raise a million dollars for Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS, uh, in our, in, in, wow. in one, when one, in one thing, like Gypsy of the Year or that, it was in that one six week period. I mean, it was crazy. The people that, came, everyone came to see the show. And during that time, I think I, I told you, I'm sure while I was t- teaching you and I, and the first thing, it was in October and we auctioned off pumpkins. 
that he signed pumpkins, like real pumpkins that he right. signed for like, you know, $2,000 or something. I'm like, they're going to disintegrate in like three weeks. But then we would sell his <laughs> t-shirt or we would give, we would sell his t-shirts that he signed and they would go for 15, 20,000. And one night, like, I think it was Billy Joel and John Travolta in the house. And the three of them came on stage and said, if you'll pay $500, you can have a picture with us. And the, and the, um, it's crazy. Line wrapped around the, uh, around, around the theater. I mean, uh, I was on the top of my staircase in my pineapple hat with my very low cut V, um, roughly sleeved <laughs> shirt going, I have a, you want to pay a chorus boys rent for a month? <laughs> <laughs> they, no one did. No one did it. No one. Yeah. 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 But it was great. I mean, again, it was like one of those, one of a, one of a lifetime once in a lifetime kind of things. It was really great. Oh, I was just going to say like do you what was your favorite song to perform in the show? Um I would have to say probably the um the sure thing baby which was that boys number. I mean even though it killed me and I think honestly it was like the reason I had to have back surgery um <laughs> for some sciatica, but it was just so much fun. I mean we really were dancing our butts off and it was just it was just a great number and uh, and of course Liza you know that number two like she loves to hear the music I have to retract that she loves to hear the music is probably my favorite number I mean when I really think about it I love that number so much and to be next to Stephanie J. Block and to have that reaction at the end of it when we would all again fall into the darkness and she was there and then everyone like the whole place erupted and she was just great too and it was fun that was a that was a great number and then there was this big number at the end called I Go to Rio which was the big finale and it started with the boys coming out and dancing and we had a costume change in the middle of it and um and there was a big white piano staircase that came down that we all kind of traversed down out of heaven kind of there's <laughs> and, a really good video of it of, of like yeah. emotional footage on youtube and you're like right in the uh, middle of it with like a big yeah. kick oh yeah that's me <laughs> It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was, I mean, again, the dancing was so much fun. And I can remember, like, it was yesterday, that audition. Like, I had already done the workshop. And then we had to go in and audition for the show show again. Oh, I'm lying. This was for the workshop. But I did, that was true. I did have to go in an audition and, and I remember coming out of the audition and Joey pulled the four of us around together to, over to the side and she's like, what's wrong with you four? You look terrible. And we were like, that wasn't very nice of you. He gave us all the job. But anyway, um, but for the audit for the for the um, workshop, I remember we auditioned on a stage of a, of a Broadway house. I'm not sure which one it was, and everyone was there. Like I can remember everyone. Like I can remember Andy Blankenbuehler being in the wings. I can remember like some of my best friends that are like big old people who 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 wanted to be in the show and were dancing. And I remember doing some turn like I'm doing it out there doing it in groups of four doing the combination and I fell out of a double turn somewhere and it's you know it all is like slow motion and I see my friend Eric Scotto in the wings and he sees me fall out of the turn <laughs> at the same time like slow motion again I can like trying to get back into whatever I'm supposed to be doing I see that Joey is looking down <laughs> at something at the moment and I'm like ooh, and again it's all slow motion but in my brain I'm like oh he didn't see it he didn't see it he didn't see it keep going and so nice <laughs> and and <laughs> and, you know, and again, to, to be able to, uh, it's one of those moments that I'm like, you know, uh, that you're by the grace of God, you got the job. And, you know, I, you know, I worked my butt off. I, uh, uh, but again, there were so many people who wanted to be in that show. And, and for some, somewhat, for whatever reason, I was one of the four chosen ones. And I thank God that I was. So, um, yeah. But awesome. it was, it was, it was, yeah, so many great memories. So many. 
Did you know that Stephanie J. Block was going to become like the star that she was? Um, I did. I know I didn't. I mean, I knew that she had already done Alphaba and done that, been in that kind of land. And then it was, it kind of went awry for her. And this was, I think, prior to her even going into the New York. I can't even remember if she had been in New York yet. Um, I'm not sure. No, no. She, it hadn't opened yet. Because, because I was, I got the gypsy robe at the boy from Oz and then we opened and Wicked opened right after us. Oh. So she had not gotten even gone back into the Broadway show yet. And, um, so, so that kind of was a thing that was kind of, you know, a not so happy moment for her, I think. But she got to be in this, you know, this was show with Hugh and it was a huge uh, deal. And, um, uh, I had not, never met her before, but my wife Jennifer had seen her before. She, when Jennifer worked in Branson, uh, she had, Stephanie had been in a, a production of Will Rogers Follies as Z's favorite and knew her and thought she was just hung the moon. She thought she was the most talented person, one of the most talented people she knew. And, and, um, so that was all. It was, that was, um, I, we, I mean, of course, you know, you're looking at her like she's a star. She did have the hardest role too, I think, in, in that. You know, Peter Allen was dead and Judy Garland was dead and then Liza Minnelli was still alive and you're trying to do this, this honest portrayal of someone who is larger than life, but you don't, and that every drag queen has done as well, but you don't want to go that way. You can't go that way, but you have to put, so, you know, I, it was, I think it was a really hard, I think Stephanie did a fantastic job of, of putting Stephanie and Liza on that stage and, and, um, but I think, you know, because also because Isabel was such a great representation of Judy Garland that, you know, to have uh, to have um, Stephanie there as, as Liza, too, which is impossible to do an impersonation. And we didn't want to do a impersonation. We do the essence of um, that. You know, it was a hard thing for her to to pull off as well as she did. I mean, she was brilliant, brilliant. And again, like to listen to her sing those songs is just spectacular. And every now and then, like. There was a one time where I was walking down the streets of New York after I'd moved away and I was walking down and I, I was on my way, I think, to see maybe Cher show and, and she's, she's on the jumbotron in, as Alphaba up on, in Times Square. And I, and I just called and left her a message or sent her a text or something and said, I just have to point out, <laughs> because you live in your world all the time and you're a big old megastar at the moment, that for us peons, it's amazing that you are, you are up here on this billboard as this major icon. You've done this major icon and right now you're playing a major icon. And, you know, I was like, and for my, and, and this is when I was teaching. I may have been at SU and I, oh, I was, and I uh, said, I, I was like, to the students, I, you are a super, you are a musical theater superhero. <laughs> like you are. It's like what you do. You're cha- you change people just by recording a song and they can hear you sing it or whatever. It's like you are a superhero. And I think for a lot of people who who go about their daily lives as as stars like that and they just live in that New York world, it's hard for them to realize that you're like we're like oh yeah you're a superhero. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, she, I mean she's just great people. They all were great people. Great people. I love them all. I'd go back and do it all again too. My hips would hurt so, more. <laughs> would, <laughs> would you ever, in the future, like think about directing or choreographing a production of The Boys from Oz? It's funny because I t- was talking to Wayne here, uh, the uh, managing director, and I said um, I would love to do like a kind of a retrospective of of the shows that I've done in New York sometime. And I've seen uh, only, I've only, only, only seen one production of uh, Boy From Oz done outside of New York. And it was, um, 
with a great guy who works here at MTW and a, uh, who uh, I did the out of town tries of my first Broadway show and did 40 Century with him. David Elder played him and he did a great job. It is a massive show to do for one person to learn. Um, try to do an Australian accent if you, if that's in the, if that's the production that they cho- choose to do in Australia with that Australian accent. And it's a lot of material and it is like a star vehicle. Um, but I do definitely think it's worth doing. I think it's a great story to tell of someone who's, again, so hopeful and lovely and the music is great and the costumes are great. And the costumes in that production, which was at Stages St. Louis, were done by, um, uh, uh, a great guy, um, uh, Brad. <laughs> What's his name? Falling out of my head. He was a Fosse guy. He went to OCU. Um, but it just a great, I mean, his beautiful costumes, these big, like, I mean, we had them to these big, like, showgirl uh, costumes out of, uh, like, Vegas y costumes. I mean, they're just, it was just a, yeah, I would definitely love it. I would do, I would definitely direct it somewhere. Here, at this theater, <laughs> Music Theater Wichita, mtw.mtwichita.org. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like because of its like Australian following, I feel like it's had like a big Australian life. Yeah, like I know yeah. after it was on Broadway, it did that like mega arena. Like yeah, they went they went <laughs> back Ortega there. tour. Yeah, which was another thing. I think it turned into more of a concerty kind of feel again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it's it is it's the music is so great and uh, yeah, he was just a great person like th- i mean what i well, how we celebrated him he was a great a great person so yeah i loved it <laughs> i have lots do you of have great like stories a favorite... yeah i was gonna say do you have like any stories like come to mind that you haven't said oh my god yeah so there was this one time um it was a guy named ramon flowers who had replaced one of the dancers and we were doing that big finale and we had, we wore these, uh, bell bottom white pants and this, these, um, Hawaiian, white and silver Hawaiian shirts that kind of hung out. They weren't tucked in. They were, they were just Hawaiian shirts. And we were doing this number and we were twirling and jumping and turning and his mic pack, the silver pack, that's like the biggest, it's as big as a cigarette pack fell out and unraveled. And he is still dancing his butt off and i don't know if he didn't know it or not but that thing and the cords on those are long and it is flying around and the other three of us the other three of us are trying not to get hit by it but trying to still do what we're doing but it is i mean it was hilarious watching us like do still do the thing but again it was like a big like helicopter just moving around him how he didn't know was not uh, it had come out from under his shirt so it was just like but still attached to his head. I think you'd think like it would just play pulling so much right. on his head that you would <laughs> that that mic tape was holding on. Yeah. The sound people um, were probably freaking out. Yeah. Stage. Oh my god, it was hilarious. So that was that was one thing. And you know, there was also you know when you're doing a show and you're putting a show together, there was a number that we did um, called Continental American, which took place in Studio Fifty Four, uh, which was a huge thing back then, and uh, uh, you know a club. And uh, we went through so many incarnations of that number. In, in the workshop, we did one that, uh, and it was, um, there were the, apparently there was two famous people who would come to uh, Studio 54 that were, I think they were just called Black and White. And it was a guy who wore a black crushed velvet cat suit. And his partner, the girl, was, uh, she wore a white crushed velvet cat suit. And that was their thing. And that was me and Jennifer Savelli, who is this brilliant dancer out of New York. 
who's still, I think she's still in New York. And, um, uh, so in the workshop, I was downstage center and they were, you know, it was sex, drugs and rock and roll, baby. And I was downstage center on all fours and she was riding me with a riding crop. And <laughs> so that was one, that was the first version that we started. And I think that's actually maybe in the workshop, that's the way it ended up. And there was a whole thing with, um, Shannon Lewis, who was another brilliant Fosse dancer. Um, she was in the workshop as well. And she was Lady D and she came, drugs, Lady Drugs. And she came out of the piano and, and Hugh as Peter like followed her around. It was when they were just showing how he got enticed into this drug culture, this world a, a little bit and, and, and how the times were in the seventies and, Eventually, we did a, about 17 million different versions of that number. Uh, even when I can remember trying, uh, like version 75 on stage before we were opening and, um, uh, where I was underneath the piano, the grand piano, and someone was on top of me writhing around. And, you know, it was all these, all these different incarnations that finally they all got cut and went, came into, went into the apartment of Hugh, of Peter Allen, and they were having a party, a smaller party where there was drugs and drinking and all this stuff, but it was more about the singing and less about a big production. And it's one of my favorite songs to listen to on the, on the recording because it's so 1970s sounding with that, that saxophone and, um, the, the vocals, I, you know, I've told this to, there's a guy in the show named Brad, Brad Anderson, who his, he just sings this one line and I listen to it over and over and I'm like, thank God that the recording exists just so I can hear you sing that, your two lines, because it's just so brilliant. Um, but yeah, like, like the, the, how, how the show came to be, like, that was the whole thing it was just so much fun watching how it ebbed and flowed and how, how, uh, the how the director worked with different people too and and um yeah it was it was putting it together was that was that was a learning experience like how it how all of it came together and how it changed from the workshop and how some people were asked to come from the workshop and you saw like why some people weren't and why some people were and you know um and it, it was it was um all of it was just uh, it was one of the best moments um you know, yeah yeah, we were there. Do you remember when the big blackout happened? Like the half of the United States blacked out from like Ohio over. Yes. That was while we were. That's while we were in rehearsal for Borg Maz, and we were up in uh, on the 40, new Forty Second Street studios up on Times, uh, right above Times Square on Forty Second Street, and the lights went out, and we were like, "What's going on?" We just kept rehearsing, and we looked down, and I saw like I was like, "Look at the at the um, intersection of Broadway, Broadway and Forty Second Street was like a mess. It was like ants everywhere, like tr- car, tr- cars trying to get through, and people, cr- you know, and we didn't know what was going on. And all of a sudden, we got the word that oh, there's a blackout, <laughs> and everything is shut down." There's no subways, there are no buses, Port Authority is closed. And so they were like, rehearsal's done, you have to go home. And there was no way I lived in, I was living in a house in New, I was, I lived in a house in New Jersey. And so I had to, there were no buses. And, um, so I started walking up the, um, uptown. And everyone's out on the street walking and it was hot and we're all passing and I passed, um, Oh my God. Why is everyone's name? Why are names Pat? Uh, um, um, oh, um, 
Oh, what's his... Anyway, I passed this really creepy dude, uh, uh, songwriter person that you would know if I could remember his name, but my brain is not working at the moment. Um, anyway, <laughs> but I passed all these... Uh, all the I mean, so I just walked up the West Side Highway and finally was able to get in touch with my wife who was able to drive in and find me wherever I was on the West Side Highway and pick me up and we made a U-turn and then some girl was on the side of the street saying, I need to get to New Jersey. And we picked her up and put her in the car. We took her across the George Washington Bridge and dropped her off in Teaneck somewhere and then we went on home. And it was the uh, again it was the weird uh, uh, one of those moments that you're like <laughs> what do you do yeah well. <laughs> and but one of those one of those crazy memories that you're like wow um bob dylan that's who it was oh. i passed bob dylan oh, on the street wow. and you were like and he was like just walking in his <laughs> and i was like oh wow it was like Armageddon or something was happening. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't <laughs> Just like, like all this stream of people, and then there comes Bob Dylan past you. And I was like, what's going on? Yeah, like, what? Yeah. Wow. He's in the blackout, too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy times, crazy, crazy times. But it was, uh, again, yeah, a great memory of a great time. They're great people. That's awesome. Yeah. It just, yeah. yeah, the the music, listening to, I mean, listening to it, watching videos of it, hearing you talk about it, I like, I'm so envious. I wish I could like transport myself to 2003, go see it, go see the show because it just looks great. Yeah, it's so funny too because I hear people um, say like, oh, I saw you in Boy From Oz. I love that show for you know, so long. And you know, a lot of people had said you know, the show wasn't – it was a one-man vehicle and it really wasn't have been good if it hadn't been for Hugh Jackman. And a lot of that is correct. I mean, he was so um, great. But um, – I think it is kind of a show that can stand on its own, but it does need some a star. And when we knew that we were closing, they started bringing in people to, to maybe replace him. And finally, they were like, you know what? We we've had such a great run, and it's been such a thing that we don't want to bring in someone who you know we should just end it and go on our separate ways. And and so that's what they ended up doing. I ended up actually leaving the show two weeks before the show was done because I knew the show was ending and I had left that. I had left 42nd Street to go to that, to come to that show. And then when, uh, when I knew it was ending and 42nd Street had an opening, they were like, could you, would you come back? And, and I was hoping that I was able to do some kind of like double dutiness and it, it didn't work out. So I, I left Boy From Oz for the last two weeks, but, um, up until that, I'd been there the whole time and it was, yeah, it was just great. Just great. One of the best times of my entire life. And, and when we had that reunion um, within this past year, just to see everyone's face. And, and I'm on, you know, uh, social media. It's so good for that because all of those people are still working. And a lot of them have transitioned to other things um, and doing, you know, similar to me, you know, at different theaters around the country. And, and then a lot of people are still kicking it and dancing their butts off and singing their butts off and... Tony winning and all that stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, like Hugh it. Jackman won yeah. the Tony for Boy From Oz. Yeah, he did. He did. He won the Tony for Boy From Oz. And, um, uh, you know, and now he's getting ready for the Music Man. And, yeah, he's just brilliant. I mean, again, I can't, I can't, I can't not say enough great things about him. He's just a, a wonderful human being. So, yeah, great. It's awesome. Well, we won't keep you for too much longer, um, but we want to thank you so much for joining us and sharing these great stories. And it just sounds overall like an incredible experience and a great show. It was. Thank you for having me and let me ramble on. <laughs> oh, of course. I want to hear all the stories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, have me back. Have me back five more times. I got, I got five more shows I could tell you about. 
Part two. Great. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Thanks, guys. If, if you don't think we're going to share those YouTube videos of you in The Boy From Oz on our Instagram, yeah, well, we're yeah, going to share like, that's when That's when I had dark hair, too. I look at those and I'm like, oh, my God, I had dark hair then. Now it's white. I... <laughs> I plan to like circle your face and be like Brian Markham. Yeah, right. This is him. Look, right there, he's standing yeah, yeah. next to Stephanie J. Block. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, guys. This has been great. Congratulations yeah. on this too. It's awesome. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, and everyone, be sure to check out us on uh, Instagram. Our Instagram is at wtf underscore bway. That's wtf underscore bway. Post updates every Monday and new episodes every Wednesday. We'll see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.